Hello and welcome to a special bubblicious edition of the Milwaukee Admirals podcast. Uh, coming to you, well, Charlie Larson and I, uh, Aaron Sims, we are in Milwaukee, but we're joined now by a guy who, in his time with the Admirals, and it hasn't been a long time, but uh, Charlie, in in one fight and one... Uh, Helmet spin. Let's say antic, yes. Uh, he became <laughs> a fan, an instant fan favorite if he wasn't before uh michael mccarran joins us now from inside the bubble in edmonton uh mac good to talk to you how's everything going up there yeah good to talk to you guys as well um yeah i'm in edmonton in the bubble inside the bubble and um things are going well so far can't complain how detailed has all of this been or and then maybe a better question is how much of the detail have you had to worry about or has it fallen all on the travel and the team ops guys um, the details been great. You know, they the NHL has done a great job, um, making sure everybody feels safe. Um, every morning you have this, uh, clear app that you have to, you have to answer a few questions, whether the questions involve like, do you have a cough, um, runny nose, um, like gastro problems. Um, and then after you fill out that questionnaire every morning, you have to go down to a station. There's, you know, those clear, um, those clear kiosks in airports where you yes. go up to, yeah, yeah, and they like uh, they ID your face. Well, they have the same things here, and they take your temperature, um, and then they give you a little barcode that you have to scan. And if everything checks out, um, then then and then and then you're clear to go wherever you want throughout the bubble. Um, and then once you do that, you have to go get a throat or nose swab. I think they change it up every day. Um, and that gets back to the team within within 24 hours. And, um, you know, I feel safe. I, I haven't heard anybody else throughout uh, our team that, that doesn't feel safe. And um, everybody feels uh, pretty comfortable here. I was reading about that app, that clear app that everybody has. And it's it's really weird because we all have to be hypersensitive. We're all conditioned as people that if we have the sniffles or if we have a little cough that it's no big deal but now every little thing has is, is heightened obviously even more so for for you in the situation that you're in in Edmonton yeah yeah I know I you know I wake up and you know I have a have a couple uh couple coughs and I'm like oh no what do I have here but <laughs> but uh but no you know it's it's good. They're taking the right precautions. Everybody is super safe. Everybody's maintaining that, that, that distance. And, um, and I think after we're here for five days, I think things start to open up for us. I think there's a couple um, restaurants in the hotel that you can then use after your first five days here and everybody checks out negative. And um, there, there, there's other teams on, uh, on our, on our meal floor, but, before the first five days, you're not even allowed to, to talk with them or, or say hi if you got a buddy on the other team. So um, after that five days, I think things are going to open up a bit more for us. But as of now, we're just kind of hunkered down in our rooms and, and just hunkered down with, with our teammates. I'm, I'm curious about these tests that you're taking. You say it's either uh, a saliva or it's in the, in the throat. Do you get a choice? I would. Um, I mean, they they jam that thing so far back there. Like, I can't believe they're not hitting your brain. I guess I didn't. I didn't love biology, so maybe I don't really know where that's going. But um. yeah, yeah, no. So um, every other day they switch it up. Um, oh, they do. Okay. My understanding is we have a throat 
a throat test yesterday. So it's just like when you have uh, tonsillitis or whatever and strep you, you want to go throat, yeah. strep throat. Um, it's kind of like a swab like that. Very pain, very, it's not painful at all. It's not uneasy. It's actually pretty quick. Um, but from my understanding with the nose test, it's not the one where they shove it way back into like your brain, as you said. Oh, I, did. I, I, I had the nose and it's just, it barely penetrates the nostril and it's a, a swirl for like eight seconds. Okay. Yeah, so that's not what's too bad. bad. No, 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 that's not I, bad I, at all. I've heard it's not bad. So I think that's what we have today. I have that test here today at noon. So had had you been when you were had you been you must have had to get tested before you went to Nashville, right? Um, yeah. So we had to get to Nashville um, two days before our first uh, skate, and we did we so in Nashville we had spit tests. They weren't nose or throat they were just spit tests and you had to spit up until like a little line i'd say i don't know 10 spits then it filled it up a little tube and uh and then they sent that off uh to their testing facilities and that's what we did in nashville it, it sounds it that sounds to me like I, I don't want to be grotesque here or anything but it sounds like like the drug test where you got to pee in a cup instead of pee and you're just spitting that sounds so weird i've never heard of that before yeah, I know. Me neither. I didn't even know there was such thing as a spit test, but that's what we were doing in Nashville. Did you think, uh, Mac, that uh, that this was actually going to get here when you went when when the season shut down? And by the way, Mac scored the last goal for the Admirals this season. Oh, uh, did I? In that morning game, you had I think it was the seventh goal or whatever the final score was against San Antonio. I didn't yeah, know that. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, I remember it because it was the last goal call I made uh, of the season. There you go. Uh, yeah. So uh, I'm 90% sure anyway. Um, but did you have, when you went home that following Monday, I think everybody was dismissed. Um, did you think that we'd get to this point and actually get into playing once again this season? Uh, I had my doubts. I, I mean, the, the way that it started, I mean, every, everybody thought like there's no way like any sports can come back this year. It, you know, it hit everybody pretty hard and well real quick um, I, I'm sorry, I apologize for interrupting but right away at the beginning did you think that it was shut down for good I, I think we all thought maybe we would take two three weeks off and get back at it like it was no big deal and then it finally set in after that once we got into middle of April uh yeah so like at the beginning when we got sent home a lot of the guys went home um I I decided to stay because I thought for sure like it would be like a two-week thing um and after two weeks, my dad called me. He was like, yeah, it's not great out in the, in the world right now. You should probably come home. And Especially uh, so in, after, in Michigan, where you're from, right? Yeah, Michigan had, Michigan had it tough. Like, we had it real tough. Michigan was closed down for a long time. Like, nothing was open for, geez, I'd say close to two months. And it's still not really even open uh, when I left for, for Nashville. Did you have to – so you go home and – there's no ice available. There's no rinks. Talk a little bit about what you did to train. How did you stay in shape? Were you taking uh, soup cans and putting them in a, in, a, in, a, in a plastic bag and doing curls with them? Or what were you doing? <laughs> no. You know what? The first, the first couple of weeks, I was just laying low. I wasn't really training, so to say. Um, and then after the two weeks, like, you just kind of get sick of just sitting around. And it was, it was snowing in Michigan. It was cold. You couldn't go outside and enjoy the weather. Um, so you kind of get sick of just doing nothing. So right. uh, after that, I, I ordered some dumbbells and um, I started to get my workouts in and, and get everything going. After, I'd say I took about a two-week 
hiatus after after I got home. So after that, I started training. Um, obviously, it's not what what every hockey player goes through in the summer. Considering I only had dumbbells and and like bands and uh, elastic bands and stuff like that, but um, yeah, it was tough to stay in shape at the beginning. And luckily, my brother lives in Florida, and he has uh, access to a gym down there um, at his hockey rink, uh, the the Florida Everblades, which is our uh, affiliate. Our down affiliate, there. yeah. And uh, so I was at that rink um, close to every day training with my brother after I, I'd say I went down there um, a month before I went to Nashville. Gotcha. That's pretty, that's, that's the first time we've heard of someone doing that, of having that type of access. Everyone we've talked to yeah. has said like, we, we just didn't Going do anything. For a jog or whatever. Yeah, right. right. Went for a jog and didn't have access to ISA uh, at all. So that's pretty awesome that, they, that your brother had that access down, down south. Uh, so, yep, yep. My, uh, at, at the beginning, that's what I was doing. I was going on jogs, going on mountain hikes, and uh, just things like that. Just trying to keep my body moving and keep it healthy. So let's talk about that. Like when you came to Milwaukee, you get traded to the same organization that your brother is. I mean, he's he's on an ECHL contract. He's not on an Admirals contract, but that had been pretty neat for for your family that you guys are are suddenly really close to playing together again. Yeah, I know. It was cool. It was, uh, my brother, I had no, I didn't, I didn't have any idea that that was our, our, the Nashville affiliate. Um, but my brother called me right away and he's like, dude, that's, that's our affiliate. Like, that's so cool. And, um, small world, so to say, uh, here's a, here's a funny story for you. Uh, my brother, my brother's wife is a personal trainer down in, uh, down in Florida and GM of the, of the predators, Mr. Poyle, he, gets uh he works out at the gym that uh, my brother's wife is a personal trainer at <laughs> so oh is that right <laughs> yeah so so rosanna my brother's wife knew uh knew poil before <laughs> before like any of this even had happened and my brother called me and told me this story and i'm like oh well maybe rosanna had something to do with that <laughs> <laughs> hey you got to get this michael mccarran guy but she never revealed that she was married to your brother like i've heard great <laughs> things about michael mccarran he's you got to have him on your team <laughs> exactly i hope that's how it works <laughs> that's good it, it seems that the move has done you good right everybody wants uh things i mean, the game moves on, right? And and if 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 you don't get, um, if you fall out of favor or whatever, the you just need to change the scenery. And it seemed like the change of scenery came at the right time for you. Yeah, I couldn't be more excited to uh, to be here. Um, you know, Montreal. It just kind of got stale for me. It was I wasn't really going where anywhere in the organization. I had my chances uh, up in Montreal. I didn't. I didn't play to my ability. I don't think. I don't think I was really ready for for that and um after that coaching change when Claude came in I think it was uh you know he, he came in he wanted to he wanted to start up his own his, his new team he's a new coach he wanted to make some changes he's a uh, former admiral too if you didn't know that he he probably didn't he played four games for us I think in the uh early 80s 83 or something yeah. yeah oh there you go yeah but uh no it was my time there was good but I couldn't have been more excited to get uh, to get out of there and, and, and join the Nashville organization. And, um, you know, I heard nothing, nothing but great things about it. And, um, you know, I was excited to come a uh, great team in the minors with the admirals. And, um, you know, 
I kind of found my game uh, last year at the beginning of the year, and um, I was very excited. Couldn't have came at a better time, so I was playing really well. And uh, to get that trade at that time, I, I was very thankful for that. I, I don't want this to come off the wrong way, but you, you were a late addition to the Admirals roster, to the, to the Nashville organization. So I'm curious if you are surprised that you're among the 30 players that are, that are in Edmonton or if, uh, if you don't even think – well, I, I know I put it in your head, I guess. You're thinking about it. But yeah, right. are, you, are you a little surprised that, like I said, you're, you came sort of late to the situation? Yeah, no, I, I don't. I don't feel like I don't. I don't feel surprised at all. I think, um, you know, I, like I said, I was playing really good hockey. I felt really good about my game, and um, at the end of the day, I feel like uh, I'm an NHL player. And yeah. um, you know, I, I came to camp here, and uh, I had a very good camp. And um, you know, I didn't really think about getting cut. I didn't. I didn't even have uh, you know a thought about it. I, I was very confident in myself, and um, you know, it's uh, I'm older now. I I, I, I'm not scared to make a pass in an NHL practice, whereas before I may have been hesitant to uh, to make a pass or, or do certain things. So, um, no, I'm pretty confident in my game and I uh, feel good. Real quick, to go to the other side of that, obviously they saw something in you. It, it, it's, it's the old thing that they always talk about in hockey. If, if a trade happens or whatever, don't look at it as you're leaving one team. Somebody wants you. That's the important thing. So, obviously they saw something that they liked to, to bring you up. So I'm playing both sides on this, but, the, but that obviously would be the answer here. Yeah. Uh, they had to have seen something in me, obviously. Um, uh, you know, it's, that's how hockey works. Right. You see a lot of guys that, that don't do well with, with the team they were drafted by and uh, you know, they find a new home and, and all of a sudden they start to succeed. And um, I feel like I'm in that boat and uh, you know, I'm dedicated. I'm a hard worker and, um, you know, things, things usually work out well for those kind of, those kind of players. You, you mentioned uh, you play your game. Talk a little bit about what is your, you talk about your game in relationship to, is it different playing in the NHL and the AHL? Like we see some guys in the American hockey league, super talented, uh, very skilled, they're scorers, but then they go up to the NHL and they, they can't, tra their game doesn't translate. Find a talk, different niche. Yeah. yeah. Talk about your game and how it differs between at the American Hockey League level and the NHL level. Well, the good thing for me is um, I feel like I'm a – I can play multiple roles on a team. I think, um, you know, I can play on the fourth line and I can also, you know, if something happens, I can also play on the top six. And, um, you know, I create space for other guys. And Right, being we, six foot six, that doesn't change yeah, between the AHL and the NHL, right? Yeah, exactly. So guys sometimes have really only one, maybe two attributes where, um, you know, like they're only a top six guy or, or they're only a bottom six guy where I feel like I'm versatile in that way where um, when I get called up to the NHL, I, I play that heavy physical hard game in the minors and I think it translates well into the NHL because for a guy like me, I'm not getting called up to go play top play in the top six minutes. So um I think that benefits me a lot. Um, when I when I was originally called up and down uh, with Montreal, I was getting you know shipped up and down quite a bit, and I couldn't find my game on the fourth line because I wasn't I wasn't playing like that when I was in Laval or St. John's. I was I was figured you know I'm a first round pick. I think I'm a top six guy. Um, 
and when all of a sudden I get called up and, and I'm like, Oh, what, what am I doing here? You know? Um, right. and that took me a little bit to figure out. And I think I, I, I figured that out. I, you can't really change your game much. Uh, cause they call you up for that, for the reason you're playing well, where you're at in the minors and you know, you can't, you can't just flip on a switch and, 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 and assume it's going to work, so to say. So that's for me, I think versatility is a huge key. Um, for NHL coaches because they can put you anywhere in the lineup. I think that's a, that's a really good point you make is that of course, like you can grasp, you you played this, you played one way your whole life and you've always been a, a, a top level player. But then when you get to the, especially when you're young, when you get to the very top, most guys just think I'll just keep playing this way. They don't, they, they there's nothing, there's nothing, there's no fallback for them or no, there's, they're not versatile enough to, 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 to adjust and to adapt. And so I think that's a real good point that you make as a young guy that you really have to be able to, to, to change things up a little bit but in I, order to have success at the I, NHL I, level. You're, you're right. And I, I, but on top of that, Mac and Charlie, I, both of you, I think that teams are getting smarter about who they're calling up now at the same time where they're not calling up the, the five foot nine inch playmaker to go out and play three minutes on a line with a couple of guys that are supposed to shut somebody down. I think they're being smarter. Don't you Mac about, who and when to call people up? Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'd say a good good example of that would be Matthew Olivier. He got right, called up, right. this year. and I'm sure there were guys in the minors where you know they're they're putting up great points. Uh, they think it's their turn to be called up, but they're not looking for a top six guy at that time. They're looking for a guy more like Matthew Olivier, and he went up there and, and played on those third fourth line minutes, and and that's his game. Um, I, I would agree with you a hundred percent there, uh, Simzy. It's, you know, it's, uh, I, I don't know what they were doing in the past. You guys have been around the game a lot longer than I have. Um, but yeah, they, they call up what they need at that specific point, uh, that specific player, um, to come up and play for them. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, before you got to Milwaukee, your time in the in the Montreal organization, but I, I specifically let's let's talk a little bit about living on the Rock, living out in St. John's. How did you like that? Uh, Daniel Carr, who you played with there, uh, he said he loved living out there. It was so much fun. It's just the travel was just atrocious. Uh, did you have that same experience? Yeah, I loved playing on the Rock. I thought it was awesome. The people there are unbelievable. They're super nice give you the shirt off your back kind of people. Um, we had our first year there. We had an amazing, we had a great team. We were winning a lot. Uh, we, we happened to run into a hot Syracuse team in the first round, but um, the, the lifestyle there is so different that it, it was cool to live there for a couple of years. So, you know, you got to, you got to meet some really cool, odd, quirky people. Uh, super fun. Um, but yeah, it goes back to the travel that, it's a tough place to, to play just based on the travel. You're home for two weeks and then you're on the road for two weeks and then you come back home and you finally start to settle in after like a week and a half. And then, uh Oh, you got to pack up your bag for two more weeks to go back on the road. It's that was the tough part for me. Um, but while we were there living on the rock, it was, uh, it was something special. And they had like phenomenal seafood. If you could, when you could get it fresh, <laughs> right? Yeah. But the t <laughs> I have a funny story for you again about the rock. My dad comes into town for, to the Rock. I'm like, Dad, you got to come check this place out. So he flies down, um, and he goes, the seafood here is awesome, right? And I'm like, yeah, I've heard nothing but great things. So he looks it up 
this place to go get uh, a lobster. And I guess they have great lobster there. So we draw like it's after a game. I'm super hungry and we're, we're going to get some food and it's like 35 minutes away. And we pull up to this place it's <laughs> to go get some lobster. And it's in the middle of winter. And, <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh, this can't be good. There's nobody in the parking lot. We go up to the door. It says closed for the season. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so we pull up like there. A, like I'm, a Dairy Queen I'm, in the Midwest. Yeah, I'm starving. And, and now we have to drive 35 minutes back into the city. To St. John's. <laughs> to St. John's to go get dinner. And I'm like, oh, gosh. So no, <laughs> I never had a good lobster tail there because it was always out of season. Yeah, that I makes can, sense. I, I can believe that. It's almost, it's almost – we uh, – the All-Star <laughs> game was there a, a bunch of years ago. I remember – going to first of all i don't know if you knew this or not they do the 50 50 raffles in there in a stadium that holds six thousand people and no joke the the winning part of a 50 50 raffle would sometimes be 50 or sixty thousand dollars canadians canadians love the 50 50 you go up to a the moose or the like the right, jets the, game when we were flames, winning yeah. the jets game uh the 50 50 raffle seriously would be like three years salary for people yeah, right. I know. They they love they love their fifty fifty and they love their bingo halls. <laughs> Let me tell you that. So we we fly out of St. John's, and it's five in the morning, and the airport is just packed. Like it is so busy. And I I said to one of the flight attendants, or not the flight attendants, but one of the workers at the counter, I was like, "Is it always this busy?" And they're like, "It is busier." from four to six in the morning than it is the rest of the day. Because if you don't get off the Island early in the morning, you never know what weather systems coming in and you could be stuck for three or four days. Yeah. Yeah. They, you know, that, that's another thing. When we, when I played on the rock, we would always have those 5am flights and you'd have to get up at like two thirty, three o'clock, get to the airport. And then you have to fly to Toronto and then hop on another flight to Boston. And then you got a three hour bus. So it was like, the travel there was wild, but the airports, <laughs> that, that's funny you say that because every time we get to the airport, it was just jam-packed. Just jam-packed. Yeah. Did, that, did, did the travel, did that bring, was the, 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 just the experience that you have out there, did that make the team closer? Was that to, were you closer with the guys because of the time you spent with them? Uh, with that rigorous, uh, the rigorous demands on, uh, on yourselves? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, you know, you know, when the, when the team's in a skid, you just say, oh, I can't wait to get on the road and go on a road trip with the boys and see what we can do on the road. But, um, yeah, that was – I'd say yes and no, just based on the fact that we were pretty much always on the road. Um, nice. But, I, <laughs> yeah, I'd say it brought us, brought us together closer. And um, you're always hanging out with each other. When you're at home, it's more, it's more family time. And um, you got to know everybody pretty well. Let's put it that way. The, uh, the the you talk about going on the road for that length of time um it's going to be different here it could potentially be not two weeks but it could i mean we, we could be talking two and a half months here um how do you pack for something like this personally um you know i in Edmonton. I, packed, I packed a big suitcase full of everything i pretty much have uh you're ranging from like i brought i think 10 pairs of shorts and three pairs of jeans and a suit bag for, for my, uh, for my suits for the games. And um, do you have to wear suits to go to the games? Yeah. So uh, the boys decided uh, Nashville that 
Um, we'd go suit no tie for games just to keep it uh, somewhat um, regular and professional. Yeah. And um, that's what that's what uh, Yossi, uh, the captain, tra- uh, decided to do. Okay. Uh, I'm, I'm curious, and maybe I have this wrong, but I picture like the NBA bubble. They're in Disneyland. So they've got like this huge area that's sort of out in the middle of nowhere to – not in the middle of nowhere, but like they've got – all this it's a it's large not campus in the of a city it's not, not in the, the heart of a city so what are you gonna like i picture the nhl bubble and i saw the different areas how do you get to those areas are there buses running all the time do you have to show documentation to get on them and maybe you don't know the answer yet but i'm just curious how all that's gonna work yeah so like i said about the clear app uh once you once you clear yourself through that uh, kiosk you get a notification on your phone in every different area that you walk through there's security that you have to show that you had passed your COVID test for the day. So in the big city here, we have, uh, we have like a big, um, how do you put it? Like a, a hangout area. It's outside. There's cornhole, there's a basketball net, there's food trucks. Um, that's right. Basically right down just outside of our hotel. It's all fenced off and everything. Um, there's that. And then we also have a player's lounge, which is inside of Rogers arena in the basement. Okay. And there's there's a PS5 system there. There's a card table. There's TVs. Um, there's a ping pong uh, table. So that that's something else we can do. And after 14 days, we get to um, uh, we get to go potentially go golfing at a at a golf course uh, on our days off. So um, that'll be cool as well. I want to know. If you go down to the PS4 and guys are playing NHL 20. PS5, by the way. PS5, That's I, sorry. Yeah, wow. yeah, you said that. Yeah, yeah, sorry. Uh, is it a PS4 or 5? I don't even know. It, I play PS5 Xbox. just, PS5 <laughs> five just came great. out. Yeah. The, five, yeah the, five, the five, you'd need to, you'd need to win a 50-50 raffle on the rock to, to, to buy the yeah. PS5. <laughs> Dude, so you go down there and you play NHL, or NHL 19 or NHL 20. Is it? Do, and a guy chooses to play as himself. Uh, do guys look at him like, "What the hell is this guy doing?" Like that's so weird. Or is it like, "Oh, of course you're gonna play for, play, play as yourself because you know that's who you that you just you want that experience." Yeah. So guys, I've seen a couple guys play, and I've I've seen everybody every game that I've watched. Someone was Nashville, so uh, you know, <laughs> it, it might be. The, uh, might be coincidence or, or not, but or does uh, or does Yossi get to choose first? He's like, I'm the predators, whoever, I, and then it, it's sort well, of like a hierarchical what's thing. What's funny to me is that you guys it, is that they you play NHL at all? If that's the case, I thought it would be more FIFA or something like that. Yeah, no, I think there's a couple games down there. I think there's FIFA, NHL, and there might be Madden, but I've only seen guys play NHL. Wow, have they? I have, haven't hopped on the uh, I haven't hopped on the station yet, so. Uh, I'll let you know how I do once I play. <laughs> <laughs> is practice you're practicing in the afternoon now, which is different than norm in, in the normal season. Is that is that weird? Have you guys been doing that? Were you doing that? Excuse me, in Nashville? Yeah, so in Nashville we were practicing at noon um, every day uh, or scrimmaging what 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 have you. But um, yeah, here it's it's weird. We're we're practicing at two thirty. Um, and it, it is an odd time. You, you have your lunch at whatever, uh, 1130 noon. And by the time you get there, it's kind of like, I wouldn't say you're tired, but you're like, you're mentally like, this is weird to me. Like I'm not right. used to practicing at two 30, but, 
Um, yesterday was my first day, so I'll make some changes uh, in my day today to, to try and be uh, more, how do you put it, mentally ready to go for practice. Um, because like yesterday, it was kind of like, kind of not out of it, but you're not, I wasn't, uh, the boys weren't like, I don't know, dialed, dialed right in. But um, today, it was after a long travel day time change so I'm sure today's going to be a lot better for us well when you're used to working seven to three or seven to four and then you're supposed to go second shift that is a difference there there is a difference there your tv you know the tv shows you watch whatever the case might be it's all that is a wrench in the in the program yeah it's, it's weird it's you know you show up to the rink at uh at one o'clock or twelve thirty, one o'clock and you're like whoa like this is weird, but you're still fired up because hockey's back and all that. And then you get on the ice and it's like, Oh, this is weird. Like I'm not used to skating at this time, but uh, no, it's good. It's, it's good. Even at the practice rink, the bubble is is pretty cool and everybody's got their own area set up for them. So it's, it's pretty cool. Do you think, are you planning on watching every game or is it going to be, we're going to expend so much energy and focus on our game that we're not going to worry too much about, games two three and four today at the at the rank yeah um well for me being a black ace i'm sure i like hockey i watch hockey all the time i'm sure i'll watch as much hockey as i can it's going to be pretty cool do you get to be in the building as a black ace or do you have to watch it elsewhere yeah no we get to go to the building to watch um there's there's designated uh box slash suites for every black ace um or for every team that has their black aces that can come and watch Okay. Um, I don't necessarily know if I can go to the rink to watch other games, but uh, I'll be watching them on TV if I'm not uh, in the lineup for sure. Are all of you in the hotel? Is it like a predator's floor, a predator, predator's area, or are you scattered about? Yeah, so we have – I think we have uh, – yeah, we're, we each have – I think the predators have two floors. Um, and, yeah, it's pretty cool. It's uh, – so we, like, walked into uh, – our floor and there's like predator stuff already hanging up on the walls, like with our slogans for the, for the, for the Stanley cup playoffs. And, um, and it was pretty cool. I'm sure you saw them on online. Um, every player, um, had, you know, photos, two, two photos that, uh, their right. wives or girlfriends sent into sent into the team. And that was pretty cool. Like I walked into my room and got the chills and I was like, that's pretty cool. Like there's a that picture. That is awesome of Olivia and I, and there's a big family picture of uh, my brother's sister. And, and uh, so, yeah, that was pretty cool to walk into. Do this you have, is, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was going to say, this might be maybe a silly question, but I'm curious how strict you, you got to, you're, there's a couple other teams there. Is there designated times for the elevator? Do you have to use the stairway? I mean, how, how strict are they taking the and distancing part are here. you going to try and go up to someone else's floor and and put graffiti like draw a mustache on uh on if i'd carry price's face or something like that <laughs> no so um to get to your question aaron there's um there's four elevators here and they're only allowed to have three people in the elevator at once and like i like i was said before the first five days you're only allowed to go in the elevator with uh players or staff of your team from Nashville. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So like uh, when I click down on the elevator and there's already three people and I have to wait to get on the next elevator, but the elevators here have actually been pretty good and pretty fast. So uh, I've only had to wait one time for, for an elevator. It's been, been pretty good. Uh, 
we don't have a, we don't have a lot more time here for you, but uh, let's, I, I do want to talk about the season, you know, the last two, two months of the year when you came uh, and uh, it's specifically, let's talk about what we let off here with that, the, that fight against Rockford and, uh, and spinning the helmet at center ice. Like uh, we, we asked the fans, what, what's your most memorable favorite thing for the season? And we got two answers, gross Nick fight, and McCarran helmet, helmet spin. That was it. And uh, I mean, the mo- maybe the most successful year in Admiral's history up until that point. And, they, and those are the two answers. <laughs> Had you ever thought about doing that before? Uh, and, and just talk, take us through that, uh, what, what happened, that sequence of events. Uh, ironically, both of those were against Rockford. Yeah. Yeah. You know what? We had. When I got traded over there, I think the boys were saying they had only played Rockford a couple times. And I knew right. we were going to play them like, seven times in the next two months or whatever it was. So right. I knew there was going to be some heated battles. And the game before, I think Janot fought their, their D-man. Um, I forgot his name. He's a big Russian guy. And he, he, he didn't, I don't know if he really necessarily won the fight, but like it was in Rockford and he did that whole clap thing going to the box and it like fired up their crowd. And I was real upset about it. Like, cause normally I do not do post fight celebrations. I think it's, stupid i think uh it's disrespectful and i don't like to do it and for some reason i was so fired up about that that the guy did that after he fought jeaner because Jano is a tough guy and <laughs> yes he is you know he's gonna come back after you for one and for two it's disrespectful and so the next game we're playing rockford at home we had a packed house we had a concert after the game and i was i was kind of fired up so i i ran their their D-man from behind, I think, a little bit, maybe from behind. Not not that bad, but – Probably not, but, you know. Yeah, and and the and, and that Cramarosa guy came after me, and, uh, you know, I saw the net there, and I saw an opportunity to throw him over the net. The refs didn't do the right thing to get the net out of the way. And I said, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do something stupid, and I did that. I did that little clap thing, and then I spun my helmet, and <laughs> the rest is history. I'll take it. I'll take the 10 minutes for that to get the crowd fired up. Oh, that best 10 minutes, maybe the best 10 minutes of the year, right? Like that was, the crowd just loved it. I mean, what, what did, I mean, you're pretty, still pretty new to the team at that point. What did Carl or, uh, or Scott Nickel, did, uh, did they say anything to you about that? Or what did the boys say? Oh <laughs> uh, yeah. Tinner was down at the time. I don't, he wasn't that happy about it either. Cause he thinks the same thing that I do. He said, it's just disrespectful to do that. Like after you fight and, um, I told him what had happened the game before, and he kind of he kind of understood um, a little bit. But um, Carl, Carl, Carl and Scooter didn't really say anything to me till like two or three days later, and they made some jokes. And they loved it. Yeah. Um, I mean, <laughs> I mean, obviously there's a sense of disrespect there, so like it was kind of like a a joke, but kind of not kind of thing. Right. But uh, no, they still joke about it all the time. They love it. They think it was funny, but. Um, don't expect me to do that often unless there's a heated battle in, in the year. Uh, well, I tell you what, though, it, and I don't know how you think about it. And, and like you said, you, you feel it's disrespectful and it's, it, it's too much. But at the same time, um, you're an entertainer. I mean, you're an athlete. You're a professional athlete. And you play at the yeah. highest level, right? But, but you are an entertainer. Do you ever think – do you ever – does that enter your mind? Do you think about that? Um. No, I was just really thought about protecting like my teammates. Like, 
Right. Um, if but Mike Leambas, Mike, Mike Leambas, I'm sure you, you, you know him. He plays for Iowa, right? And he played for the Admirals. And, and, but he's always said that, which is interesting to me because I've never heard a guy at the level that you're playing at think of themselves pr- first and foremost as an entertainer, second as a hockey player. So that's why I asked the question. Yeah. Uh, for me, I don't know necessarily – uh, I don't really think about that actually. If that I'm an entertainer, I think I'm, I think I'm just playing the game that I love, and I'm trying to, trying to score, <laughs> trying right. to score and, and protect my teammates. And um, and know, those are fun things. Those are fun things. It's it is fun for me, especially protecting my teammates. I don't like when uh, when things happen like that, uh, and someone someone starts something, and you know it's going to come back and bite you in the butt, and. Uh, that's how I've always seen it. And, and I've been around the game for pro hockey for five, six years now. And I, it usually doesn't turn out for, right when the, when the, when the guys start something stupid, it's always going to come back and get you. It's always, someone's always going to take your number and it's always, something's going to happen to you if you're going to do something stupid like that. So um, I think we got them back pretty good. And uh, I'm I mean, sure next year there'll be some, be some tough battles against them again. Yeah, for sure. Like, I don't want to, I don't want to jinx us or anything like that, but you said we were about to play Rockford seven times, and I think we scored seven goals every single time we played them. Uh, <laughs> yeah, thank, like it, thankfully, it, it, I felt bad for them at least. Yeah, thankfully we had uh, we had uh, we had a great team, and they weren't they weren't uh, too hot last year. So um, we we usually got the better of them, and um, we were definitely happy happy about those outcomes of those games for sure. Absolutely. Well, it was a it, it was a great year in Milwaukee. I hope the great year continues for you with Nashville in Edmonton. Um, it's going to be interesting. Uh, last one for you as as we look at this, and we've said this quite often, Mac, uh, with everybody with the time with the time off, I think everybody is healthy and all the bumps and bruises and even the serious injuries of guys who were injured in December that may have been out for the year. Uh, this could very well be the greatest hockey tournament in the history of hockey tournaments. Yeah. I'm like I said, you guys asked if I was going to watch every game. <laughs> I think I might watch just about every game. I, I'm very excited for the NHL to come back and um, I'm excited for the Nashville Predators. I think we had a really good camp. Um, the guys seem really fired up and, I mean, on paper, I think <laughs> you look at the Nashville roster, it's like, wow, like, wow, we're pretty good. I think I think the guys here are, are confident in themselves, and um, we'll see what happens with the boys here. And um, just to talk about the NHL, I think, yeah, there's going to be no travel. Uh, the guys are going to be in the same area for uh, two, three months, and without, without travel, that's huge. You know, you, you have a bump and bruise, and you're getting on a plane, it's going to swell up a bit. Um, you know, now you get treatment all day long. You're in the same place. You know where to, you know where the trainers live, pretty much. Basically, they're they're on your floor. They can come anytime you want. I think um, it's going to be great. You're not traveling for practice. You're not. Uh, you know, it's it's going to be fun. Everybody's healthy. I mean, look at that Jake Gensel. He blew out his shoulder this year, and he's going to be playing in the playoffs. That's pretty. Yep. That's pretty crazy to me. Like it's almost unfair. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Right. It's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be great. And uh, I, think, I think the NHL is going to gain a lot of new fans because of this bubble and the, how well they're, they're treating their players. And other leagues around the, around the world are looking at, uh, you know, the NBA and the NHL. We're having bubbles, and it's, and it's 
right now, knock on wood, it's working. Well, we're seeing people are obviously thirsty for, for live sporting Sports, events. Yep. This is going to be great. And to have game after game after game after game each day is going to be pretty awesome. Mac, it's great to talk to you. We'll let you go here. I know you got to get ready for practice. Uh, but uh, th thanks so much. Congratulations on your success. And uh, we really look forward to, to seeing you in person sometime, hopefully very soon. Yes, sir. Thank you, Aaron and Charlie. It was, uh, it was a pleasure being on with you. And whenever you uh, can't find another guy, get me out of here. I like doing podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> well, appreciate Mac, it. we appreciate your time for sure. Have a great day. That's All right. Michael thank you, guys. That's Michael McCarron, Michael McCarron with the team with Nashville in Edmonton in the bubble, getting ready for uh, the Stanley Cup playoffs. And that'll do it. For Charlie Larson, I'm Aaron Sims. Thanks for listening to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast, special edition. <laughs>